Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration is to tell you it's not your fault. Bad things happen, things that fall outside the realm of our control. And yet, we have a tendency to self-blame when things fall apart and struggles of life leave us looking for reasons why. But in this teaching, which is part of the unedited series, we will see that even though God did not cause the pain, He will use it to display His power. Welcome to this year Wednesday, September 30th, 2020 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. It is day nine of our 14-day unedited series, where we're discovering all the amazing ways God uses vulnerable, weak, and imperfect people like me and you to get the glory and draw others to Jesus. It's Deanna Hobbs here, bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. Thank you for joining me again. Whether you're tuning in on the radio, online, through Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, YouTube, hey YouTube family, or wherever podcasts are heard, I am just glad God sent you here. I was up late last night. I couldn't sleep. I think I got to sleep at around 1 a.m. I just couldn't stop thinking about this unedited series and all God is doing through it. I was reading testimonies and just thanking him for how his power is working through these teachings. You know, there will never come a day when reading a testimony or hearing a praise report from a precious member of our faith community will ever become commonplace to me. I am awed by every single one. It is nothing that I've done. It's the power of God activated through his word and your faith that is responsible for transforming lives. I am merely a vessel. And I just want to say thank you for how you share this ministry with others and help me spread the word of God. I can't thank you enough for that. You are my co-laborer in ministry. You are an integral part of what God is doing. And there's a testimony this ministry team received from Mary Lynn in Annapolis, Maryland, that demonstrates the power of sharing the gospel. She wrote this. I was gang raped at 13 years old by my stepbrother and his friends. After years of receiving therapy, depression meds, and going to support groups, I was still messed up at 37. I started listening to your cup of inspiration three years ago when a Facebook friend posted your link and I clicked on it. I had never heard the Bible taught like that, and I wanted the joy and peace you had. I prayed to God and asked him to be my personal savior. Jesus saved me in my room, and it's the best thing that ever happened. Thank you for your teaching. Hallelujah, I could run all over this studio. See, this is why it's so powerful when we share the gospel. Mary Lynn, I am so happy that God saved you and connected you to this ministry. Glory to his name. Can we get a praise break for Mary Lynn? Powerful and inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. All right, let's kick off day nine of our unedited series with a prayer. 
God, thank you for the revelation you're sending to us today. Please speak through me straight to the heart of the person you sent to press play. They need to hear a word from you, and I'm your vessel. Use me as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Last August, when I went to the emergency room with stroke-like symptoms, the first thing I associated my symptoms with was a new antibiotic I was on called Bactrim, and I've mentioned this before. With severely slurred speech and numbness in my left side, I told the intake nurse in the ER that the Bactrim is what I took before I started having those symptoms. I explained that I had contracted a staph infection in the hospital about a week earlier from after my hysterectomy surgery. It was on my right arm where they had put the IV in and it started like this little itchy raised patch on my arm and it started spreading and getting worse. So my doctor prescribed Bactrim to treat it. So I'm just slurring my way through, trying to explain. My speech was so distorted that a nurse who hadn't looked at my chart asked me how long I had been deaf. Because to her, my speech sounded like I couldn't hear. That's when my husband Kenya spoke up and explained the situation and she felt so bad. I was having serious difficulties communicating. And even though I tried to tell the nurses and doctors as best as I could that I really thought Bactrim was to blame and Kenya tried as well, the doctors did didn't connect my symptoms to Bactrim and they just focused on the stroke symptoms and started running a battery of tests, scanning my brain, taking blood, doing all those sorts of things. And they came to the conclusion that I was just having a mini stroke and it was unrelated to any outside factors. My regular doctor was out of town on vacation, so I was under care of a new doctor that didn't know all the details. And there I am in the hospital. They told me they still needed to keep me on my regular antibiotic regimen because a staph infection can be really serious, even deadly, if the bacteria got deeper into my body, into my bloodstream, my joints and such. So they gave the drug to me again, and that's when everything spiraled. For those of you who watched my YouTube video about the experience, you remember that I shared footage of the small seizures I started having in the ER. Well, my husband Kenya explained that the only reason he even recorded those videos was because when he tried to tell the doctors that he thought I was having a seizure, they didn't believe him. They told him I was probably just cold, and so they gave me more blankets, and he recorded me so he could have something for them to look at. But once that second dosage of Bactrim kicked in, everything went crazy. I had massive seizures and my stroke-like symptoms intensified because when I first got to the ER with numbness in my left side, I needed a lot of help walking, but I could walk. My foot was dragging and I couldn't do it on my own, but things weren't nearly as bad as they got. Still, doctors didn't make the connection. It took the medical team days before they realized I had been right all along. It was the Bactrim. And my doctor returned from vacation and he explained to me that the side effect of that drug that I experienced was very, very rare. What happened to me only happens to about 5% of the population. So he explained that's why doctors thought it was highly improbable that Bactrim was the cause because that pretty much never happens. He felt bad about it, obviously but there was nothing anybody could do at that point. The damage was already done. So after I got home from the hospital and had to deal with brain trauma, emotional issues, personality changes, mental health struggles related to the trauma, I had to fight another opponent called guilt. 
And that was a formidable, strong, unrelenting enemy. I beat myself up so bad and felt like it's my fault. I did this. I said mean things to myself. You're so dumb, Deanna. You're so stupid. Why didn't you just insist that it was the antibiotic and refuse to take it? You caused this. Then came the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. You could have fought back harder. You should have stood up for yourself. You would have avoided all of this if you had only done what you needed to do. It was your fault. Now, if I wanted to look like a super Christian, I would just edit this part out, this self-blaming part, and pretend like I was speaking in tongue in the hospital and thinking about how God was going to get the glory. No, I was hanging on by a thread, not understanding why I was going through yet another near-death experience again. After almost dying two years earlier, was that not enough? And then before that, in 2011, after breaking my wrist at my daughter's skating party, I had to have surgery on it and went into cardiac arrest and they called out code blue, lost me for five minutes, and the recovery from that was grueling. So to be honest, my latest struggle made me feel like, really? Another battle? Quite frankly, I was feeling pretty sorry for myself in addition to blaming myself. Last night, all the Hobbs children were in the bedroom with me and my husband, Kenya, and we were just kind of talking about everything God has brought me through in the latest battle. And I asked them how they stayed peaceful through the situation. They said it was precisely that, the peace of God. And then they mentioned a dream that I had forgotten about that God gave me before everything went downhill. And they said, I told them that God said through a dream that he had given them supernatural peace. How awesome, right? So they told me about that last night. And then our oldest daughter, Kyla, chimes in. Yeah, the peace of God and probably the fact that you almost die every year. (laughs) Ah, I cracked up. (laughs) We all cracked up when she said that. It was so funny. And that thing tickled me. You hear me? Because it feels like, God, how many near-death experiences do I have to have? But you know what? God is sovereign. And if he allowed it, he has a plan for it. But that thing was funny. And that's really what I believe. God has a plan. But before I got to this place where I am now, I was blaming myself. I was not laughing. I thought it had to be my fault. It was like Job's friends in the Bible. They assumed he had sinned because there was no way he could have been righteous and going through all that. But they were wrong. Job's friends, and I use that word friend loosely because with friends like that, who needs enemies, right? But Job's friends weren't privy to the fact that God allowed Satan to afflict Job because he knew that Job would remain faithful. And in the end, God restored everything Job lost and gave him double what he had before. But whenever something goes wrong, it's human nature to try to rationalize things or figure out why something happened. We need to blame somebody. It has to be somebody's fault. And so often we turn that blame inward like I did and smack ourselves around over things we had no control over. We beat ourselves up and judge our decisions harshly. We comb over details, retrace our steps, think about what we could have said or done differently to change what has already happened. Crying over spilled milk. That's what I did, and down the rabbit hole of guilt, blame, and shame I went. 
And it was dark down there. And I want to tell you, that is not a trip you want to take. It leads to nowhere good and it doesn't change the situation. It will change your mindset though and turn it really toxic and make you sink into depression and turn life into one big pity party. But thank God for Jesus. He kept pursuing me in that season and loving me through it and assuring me that it wasn't my fault and that he would use even this to get glory. And by accepting God's love, his grace, and letting him speak to my heart and immersing myself in his word and remembering who God is and how he uses even the awful stuff to glorify himself, he lifted me up out of that dark place and helped me stop self-blaming. During that time, one of the Bible stories that spoke to me the most is found in John 9. And I've talked about this story before. God used this one for me. Remember when Jesus was walking along with the disciples and came across a man who was born blind? The disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Don't you just love how they asked that question? They didn't ask if it was sin that caused it. They asked whose sin was it? His or his parents? Oh, because it was sin. Thank God the disciples' questions and dialogue wasn't edited out of scripture because this is a real picture of how the disciples of Jesus, both in Bible days and in modern days, often think. Somebody must have done something wrong somewhere. But Jesus said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And then Jesus spit in the dirt, made mud, told the man to go and wash himself in the pool of Siloam. And the man came out of the water seeing. And while it was a spectacular miracle that Jesus performed for this blind man, the point was not just to restore his eyesight. The implications of this miracle were far greater than that. I'll show you what I mean. This miracle caused quite a stir among the Jewish teachers of the law because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish leaders grilled him and his parents over the miracle and asked who had healed him. When they discovered it was Jesus that had done it, then there was a raging debate over Jesus's origins. Could he possibly be from God? Some said yes, because nobody can just open the eyes of a man born blind. It was a verifiable, certifiable miracle. But others said, nah, the fact that Jesus broke the law by doing the work on the Sabbath, he couldn't be from God. He's not keeping the law. This whole messy controversy hits at the core of why Jesus did this. A little while later, Jesus reconnected with the formerly blind man, then revealed his identity as the Messiah and the man believed. Now, if we were in church, we might close our Bibles there, shout over this and go home. But not so fast. The key to this story, the whole premise, the whole purpose for Jesus doing this is found in John 9 and 39 through 41, where Jesus said, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And some Pharisees overheard this conversation because Jesus was talking to the blind man and they said, are you saying we're blind? Jesus answered, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. What's Jesus saying here? Well, you had these religious teachers who knew all the scriptures and all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. They were supposedly experts in the scriptures. But when the fulfillment of those scriptures, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was standing right before them, they rejected him because they were spiritually blind and they were happy to stay that way. 
They were in bondage to the law of Moses and couldn't even receive the long awaited Messiah. So Jesus cured the natural blindness of this man in order to cure the spiritual blindness of that man. And all those who witnessed the miracle and were willing to believe that Jesus was the son of God, Jesus revealed himself through this miracle. As you now see, this man's blindness from birth, despite what the disciples initially thought, was not a curse. It was a blessing in disguise. Jesus used that man's affliction to reveal himself to the world. Now that's where the praise break belongs. One thing I know and have learned about God is that he often uses bad stuff to do good stuff. And as many of you know, I am a sexual assault survivor. I was molested by a neighbor in broad day Daylight on my way to school when I was just six years old. God didn't cause that. The evil and wickedness of fallen man in a fallen, sinful, broken world caused that. But after that happened to me, I experienced shame and guilt and I felt like it was my fault. I internalized the actions of my molester who I had no control over as a child. I didn't invite his perversion into my life. In no way, shape, or form was what he did my fault. Still, I carried guilt and shame with me for years. I was so ashamed of what happened. I never told my mother until I was 18 years old, 12 years later. The first time I heard it said to me that it's not your fault, that broke me because I always thought it was. But thank God for freedom and deliverance from that lie. And in 2014, I opened up publicly about it and that freed thousands of other women to release guilt and shame and open up and receive God's love and grace. Oh, somebody's getting free today. I believe it. There's some stuff that happened in your life and you keep blaming yourself for it. There's no way you can edit it out. There's no way you can go back and change it. And the Lord wants you to know it's not your fault. Hear this and receive it. That person you trusted that took advantage of you, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that someone left. It's not your fault that you've been chronically ill. It's not your fault that you were taught some things growing up and made decisions based on your level of knowledge at that time. You didn't know better, so you couldn't do better. It's not your fault that your children don't make perfect decisions. It's not your fault that that person cheated. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. Stop telling yourself everything is your fault. Remember in John 5 when Jesus was in Jerusalem and approached the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been impotent for 38 years and waiting by the water hoping to get his healing? He was there with a bunch of other sick people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the water to be troubled. John 5 and 4 says an angel would go down at a certain time into the pool and trouble or stir up the water. And whoever was the first to get in the water after the troubling of the water and they stepped in, they were made whole of whatever disease they had. And when Jesus asked this man if he wanted to be made whole, the man explained, I have no one to help me into the pool. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He was trying to explain that he did his best. He attributed his condition to not being fast enough. So everybody beat him to it and nobody else would help him. Imagine how many times he tried and beat himself up for failing and thought, man, if I could just be faster, why am I so slow? I'm so stupid. I hate my body. I'm a loser. I'm always going to be like this. It's my fault for not being faster. Sometimes this passage is preached as if this man were apathetic and he was content to be in that state, but he had been trying. He wasn't fast enough and that wasn't his fault. 
Jesus didn't shame him, nor did he blame him. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? And then Jesus said, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And instantly, after 38 years of suffering, he was cured. His suffering, which was not his fault, also had a greater purpose. Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath too. And sure enough, he stirred up the anger of the Jewish elite. Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes who determined what did or did not constitute work made it clear that carrying a mat on the Sabbath was against the rules. But Jesus didn't care about that. He came to buck against the Jews' religious system. He purposely opposed religious traditions, legalism, the law. And that's why where Jesus performed this miracle, Bethesda means house of mercy. Jesus extended mercy and grace, the opposite of what rigid laws do. And the Jews persecuted Jesus because of this. But I love what the master said in response to them trying to restrict the days he could perform miracles. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. And that right there, I want to stop and tell you this is the whole point of day nine. The next time the enemy tries to make you feel like your struggle that you did not cause is your fault. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus saying, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. He's working through this struggle to get glory. It's not your fault. But even through this struggle, God will get the glory. I've been telling you for the past eight days that God doesn't edit out the ugly stuff. He doesn't prettify our lives. He's not here to make things perfect. He will not promise that we won't go through the bad stuff, but he will do good stuff through the struggle. He knows what you've been through, what you're going through, and what you will go through. It's not your fault that trouble comes knocking, but just know this. Every time trouble shows up, so does God. And how can we prove that? Psalm 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Trouble is just an opportunity for God to flex, to flex his power to heal, to restore, to renew, to save, to elevate, to bless, to conquer, to do the impossible, and to release you from the bondage of guilt and shame. Stop blaming yourself for what went wrong and trust God to make everything right. He'll do it. I've seen him do it before, over and over, time and time again. He takes broken things and makes them beautiful. And that's exactly what he's going to do in your life. Romans 8 and 28 in the King James Version is what I'm stirring into your cup of inspiration. And it says, and we know that all things, even the ugly things, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. As you drink down the contents of your cup, release shame, release blame, release guilt. God didn't cause it, but he's going to use it to get glory and show you his power to bring the good stuff out of the worst stuff. Now let's pray. God, I pray earnestly for this, my sister, this, my brother, who has endured hardship that they didn't cause, that they couldn't control, and that they can't change. 
I rebuke guilt, shame, and condemnation. Help them to understand that you didn't cause the struggle, but you did allow it so you can use it to demonstrate your power to heal brokenness, to loose the shackles that bind them, to restore what they lost, to lift them up out of a low place, and make all things new by your power. Thank you for your assurance, O oh God that you are working in their situation. I feel the shackles falling off of them right now. And we claim release and deliverance by faith in Jesus' name, amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.